Well, we've had some questions now. It's good news. We have six questions tonight, and uh, all of them relate to the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, which we looked at last week. And uh, they're sort of a bit to do with the timing. What does this mean and how does that work? And uh, I think that's just a great way to kind of wrap up our whole series and reflect upon what we have learnt there. Uh, The first question is this. If Revelation 20 ends with the final judgment, then why does it still talk about unbelievers in chapter 21, verse 8, after that event? Well, before I answer a whole bunch of questions about Revelation, it's a good reminder again that this kind of language is called apocalyptic. It's apocalyptic because it's a sort of a hidden message that is coded for those who need to hear it and coded not for those who don't need to hear it. It was sort of in code because these Christians were going through a really hard time following Jesus. And the Lord spoke to the Apostle John and said, here is a vision you need to write down so that you can encourage all of the followers of Jesus. But I'm going to do it in a kind of a way that's sort of amazing and mind-blowing with lots of images and weird stuff that's going to kind of excite your mind and stimulate you to think about it. But at the same time, there's going to be all these things in it that are kind of encoded a bit. So it's got numbers and different animals with different funny heads and all that sort of stuff. So as this happens, the time's going to jump around a bit. It's not going to be one story that you can sort of put a timeline along from the very start to the very end. It's this vision that has all this different information here. So with that in mind, I think chapter 21 and 22 is to be understood as something that is said to the Apostle John nearly 2,000 years ago. So in a real time, in a real place, he was swept up into the Spirit and the Spirit said, write this stuff down. And so as it's talking about a warning to him, for example, about the the people who are going to be experiencing the final judgment, that warning is actually a relevant warning right then in the first century. And I think that's how the timing fits in there. So when it says, write it down, as it does in chapter 21, it's saying at that very moment, write it down so that the people who there are outside of the city still, because they haven't followed Jesus, make sure they know this and are warned. Well, there's a longer answer that I think sort of sets us up for the rest of them. Question two, why does the angel show John a city in Revelation 21, 9 to 10 when he told John he was going to show him the bride? Have you noticed that? It said, okay, I'm now going to show you the bride and here is a city. You think, hang on a second, have we missed something in the translation? Well, no, I don't think that we have missed something in the translation. And that is because the New Jerusalem is actually the embodiment of the people of God. Because you know that we, the body of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are married to Jesus. He is the groom, we are the bride, that's how it kind of works. And so we're told, here's the bride, and it's the New Jerusalem. It's the city that's made up of the Old Testament people of God, the New Testament people of God, united as one. And we are the body, we are the temple. Well, we don't have the temple anymore, but we are the body of Christ in the New Jerusalem there, which is pretty amazing. Our third question is this. Who are the nations in Revelation 21-24? And if if they already follow Christ, then why aren't they already in the city? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it, it's a particularly good question because we've just seen Satan's been thrown into, this, into the fiery lake and you're thinking, hang on a second, how can there then after that be people who are outside of the city and still coming in? I reckon, again, it's because this is another perspective on what has happened in the big picture of God's work to bring the nations to the... To Christ Jesus. It may not fit neatly into a particular timeline or chronology there, but it's another picture of what it is like having had the nations come in and be drawn in to the city of God. It, it's amazing, really, to think that there was a time when outside of the people of God was everybody who was not within the covenant, within the actual descendants of Abraham. But now all the nations have been included, and that's why they have now we read that they have come into the city. Three to come. Question four. What does it mean in Revelation 21:26 for the nations to bring their glory and honour into the city of God? I think it's sort of a bit like how we read earlier on that the, the rulers laid down their crowns at the foot of, of the throne of God. It's a way of saying that they're all their glory and honour of being a person who is a ruler of a nation have now been brought in and said... All we've got is nothing compared to what we have in Christ. Jesus is the one who is the true ruler, and they bring all their glory and honour into the city. Two to come. If evil is done and dusted, then why does Revelation 21:27 say that the murderers are outside the city? Well, I don't think, again, that we're supposed to see all the unbelievers hanging around outside the gate permanently. Uh, I think it's a, a metaphor, a, a word picture of that sort of describes that only those inside the New Jerusalem, those who are the followers of Jesus, are the ones who are there. And those outside the city, it's another way of describing those who are cursed, those who haven't yet come to Jesus. And so we know that the murderers are outside the city because they have not come to Jesus at the perspective of when this was being told to John. And so their plight that we know for those who are outside the city is indeed eternal punishment. Finally, question six, and that is, if, uh, what is the meaning and significance of the leaves in Revelation 22-2 that bring healing to the nation? Well, I didn't realise this till I got asked this question. That's why I love your questions. Uh, and the whole reference to the leaves is actually something out of Ezekiel. It's an Old Testament book where we see lots of vision in the second half of it about the temple and about the New Jerusalem. And so we read in Ezekiel 47.12, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. You see, we've got this picture here, this, this vision of hope for the people of God who were in exile. They were far away from the actual Jerusalem, way before Jesus came along. And they had this, this heart, they, they just were longing to be there. And God gave this vision to Ezekiel and he said, you know, this is what it's going to be like. So, so don't give up. And then what do we read in the book of Revelation? We actually see the fulfillment of this very, very thing. These leaves there, they are the ones that will bring healing, as it says here. 
the, f- the fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. And I think we see this completely fulfilled when we get to the last chapter of Book of Revelation. And it's not like they're continually needing to be healing. It's like the healing has been done once and for all. Because we know in the New Jerusalem, there's no more suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more tears. There's no more death. And friends, that is the thing that brings us hope. The greatest hope of all, no matter what we're in, no matter how we're feeling, we have this hope, this hope of the living waters. Thanks for listening to Jamaloo and the Lane Trip.